I'm so glad you're here this morning. You know, we don't usually meet on Easter week. And I didn't even realize that till Audrey said to me last week, we're meeting on Easter Thursday. I was like, yeah, because it was so late this year, it didn't line up with the spring breaks. And that doesn't usually happen that way. So, um, so then I thought, well, we really need to have that as being the focus of our lesson and we're wrapping up Galatians. So I did, um, I do have a wrap up for Galatians that ties in with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I wanna talk about that today. I'm gonna to ask you ladies to think about Mary and Martha in the New Testament. And Martha was what? She was busy and scattered. And you know we tend to be that way around holidays and kids be at home extra days or whatever. But we don't wanna be that this morning. We wanna be Mary's. We wanna sit at Jesus' feet this morning some of this is going to be review because uh, we're wrapping up, you know, Galatians. We're going to take a big kind of a bird's eye view. We're going to step back a little bit and look at it in an even bigger picture. And hopefully um, it'll carry you through the Easter season and it'll help you really focus in on Jesus and who he is. So I just want to say a, a quick prayer for the lesson. Dearest Jesus, we thank you so very much for this day. We thank you, Lord, for you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that you sent to us. I pray, Lord, that you would um, just speak to our hearts, open our hearts to truth, Lord, keep us from distraction, and help us know that you, Lord, you are King of kings and Lord of lords, and that, you, uh, that we want you to be Lord of our lives. We thank you for this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. So we have been talking through uh, basically Galatians uh, 5 and the tenets of uh, the fruits of the Spirit. and you know, obviously from that fruits of the spirit means that the spirit provides those fruits in our lives, but we have the fruit because why? Because Jesus left the spirit with us when he ascended into heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit afterwards. And he said, this is even better for you. Why is it better? Because when Jesus was here on earth, he was a man and you had to be in his presence. He was limited to space and time like we are. The Holy Spirit, when he sent the spirit, can be in each of our hearts as we believe in him. We're going to talk our way through that this morning, but I want to really focus in on Jesus for a little bit, and then we'll kind of wrap into the review. So first, I wanted to just spend a minute talking about who Jesus is. Jesus is God. He is part of the Trinity. He is the Son of God, and he is who came to earth to be with us. And scripture testifies to who he is. He is the great I am. It says, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Another verse that testifies to that is, all, all, he is the almighty one who is and who was and who is to come, the almighty. So from eternity past to eternity future, we have Christ. Christ is before us and he's after us. Christ is all in all. He's eternal. He's our judge. So says he's faithful and true from Revelations. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True, with justice he judges and wages war. He is faithful and true. We never have to worry about Christ changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the faithful one. He's not just faithful. He is faith. He is the epitome of being faithful. He, the, the word comes from him to be faithful. He's our judge. He is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. When we die, when we meet Jesus face to face, meet God face to face, 
He's going to ask, what do you think of my son? If we love him, if we've accepted him, if we acknowledge him as Jesus Christ, then we are forgiven and we get eternal life with Christ. He's above all. In Revelation 17, 14, these will wage war against the lamb and the lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him are the called and chosen and faithful. There is no one above God. There's a lot of talk in our culture in our age about, and this is even kind of dissipating, but that there is a higher power. Um, I was talking to someone recently who was um, in a recovery program and they're, um, they're told that, you know, you just have to have a higher power. Heck, your higher power can be that doorknob. Seriously? No, my God is much more powerful than that doorman, right? So we need to acknowledge him as king of kings. He's the highest. He's not just a higher power. He is the highest. He's a king of kings and lord of lords. And we should stand on that truth, ladies, and be willing to testify to that. So in thinking about Jesus being son of God, and then it says in um, Acts that God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He sent his son to us. Think about how, how much the difference between man and God. I mean, if we really think about that, it is truly, truly amazing to think that God would send his son here among sinful man, especially knowing what he knew. And that's the outcome, right? And it says that Jesus emptied himself. What does that mean to empty himself? Came across a couple of commentaries. It's a very deep topic to talk about Jesus coming and emptying himself. What does that mean? What did he empty himself of? But in Philippians 2, let's go ahead and read that together. It's a little bit of a passage there. Philippians 2, 6 through 11. I'm going to start at 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's one of the worst known ways to die among men is to die on the cross. Terribly painful. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those who are under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In emptying himself, it says he did not give up his powers, but gave up his position. He no longer acted as sovereign, but as servant. He came not, not to be served. He didn't come demanding, you know, to be treated like a king. He came to serve, even washing the feet of the disciples. He showed in every way that he was here to serve. And another way to look at it, Christ divested himself, not of the divine nature, for that was impossible. So he couldn't separate himself from being God but of the glories and prerogatives of deity. This he did by taking the form of the servant. So this is something he did voluntarily for us. And what does it say? He did that because of the joy set before him. He, he, was, he did that gladly for us. So he came to earth. 
He was born of a virgin, which means the significance of that, which I'm, I know I'm speaking to the choir, but if you're in getting our minds and hearts ready for Easter to understand the full realm of what happened, Jesus came, um, was born of a virgin, which means he did not get passed down the sin of man. When we have a baby, the sins of man are inherent in that child. There is no, I know they're so precious and they're so sweet, but there's no such thing as a, as a sinless person. Only Christ was um, perfect and sinless. And that was because he didn't have that sin nature passed down because he didn't have an earthly father. God is his father. So that was the significance of that. And then he was, he lived a sinful, sinless life, crucified, buried, and rose again. That's in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 4. So all that he did, he, he made himself available and served us in that way. And all that he did to pay the price for our sin. I'm going to read to you 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Crucified, buried, and died. When he died, at the, at the moment of his death, he took on the weight of, this, of all humankind's sin. And that pay, it satisfied that um, price because God says that the wages of sin is death. So Christ died. He took on that weight of that sin. And when we believe in Christ, believe, accept him as God, then we're saved because God trades that out. And now God sees us as righteous. Now, that should blow your mind. If you're honest about who you are, if you're honest about really what goes on inside, that's a lot. That the God of heaven would come down, give himself to crucifixion, and raise again so that we might be saved. Guys, Easter is so much more than bunnies <laughs> and colored eggs. It's really hard to separate it sometimes. And everybody wants to shower our kids with all kinds of stuff, right? And, and they don't understand maybe the importance of it. But what God says about man is in one place you can find is in Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things. And it is extremely sick. This is the Amplified. Who can understand it fully and know its secret motives? It's deceitful and it's sick. All the little manipulations we do to try to make things come out to make for, for our good is sick. We're here to glorify God. And when we take on... All that um, our heart has to offer, all we have to offer back is sickness and deceit. In Mark 2.17, Jesus said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to cure, to call the righteous, but the sinners. You know, if you ever look at the ladies at Christown Women's Bible Study and think we're a bunch of church mice, you're wrong. You should be at our prayer table in the morning. We all struggle. Every single day we struggle. Every single week we struggle. But we have God's word. We have each other to point us back to what's true and right. And to help us to discern, you know, no, that sounds like, you know, that's, that's not of the spirit. You can't be unforgiving, Jennifer, and be filled with the spirit. We need the word to point out the sickness that lives deep in our hearts. And in Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. We don't have to work for it. It's given to us. Salvation is a gift. Faith is a gift. Thank God for it. An indescribable gift. He is an indescribable gift, as it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 15. And then we're a new creature. 
when people are, when people look at us, they're thinking, well, what's different about her? They should see a real difference. The spirit should change your heart. It should heal it and make it well. And the fruit should be good that comes from it. So I just wanted to talk a minute about, you know, so Christ came and he died for our sins. You know, his actions really show that he wants a relationship with us. He didn't leave us stranded here. He came down to be with us. And he, everything he did and everything he does shows that he wants relationship with us. In uh, 1 John 4, 10, it says, in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he first loved us. We, we didn't learn. We don't know to love God. We don't even know who he is, but he's made himself available to us. He's made himself known to us. And I love some of the names that um, kind of exemplify that. He's our deliverer. It means that sin no longer rules over us. He delivers us from that hold that sin has over us. We no longer have excuse. We have every means possible to overcome sin. He delivers us from that power. And he also delivers us from what? The wrath of God. He del delivers us from what we deserve, which is death. These are hard words. And you know what? The world doesn't want to hear them. They want to do whatever they want. You know, our, we've stepped out from under his word. And there's no stopping once you do that. That's why the world is so foolish is because we've put, taken ourselves out from under God's authority. And that can only get worse because once you're out from under that authority, you're slave to sin. There's, there's no compromise. We don't get to compromise heaven and hell. We don't get to compromise who Jesus Christ is as the son of God. He's our mediator. It says there's one God and one mediator. There's only one way. Only one way to God, through Jesus Christ. There are not many roads. There is one road, one way, one God, one sacrifice. He's our mediator. Isn't that amazing? He fills in that gap between God and us. He's our great high priest. He invites us, come to me, confess your sins. Don't be afraid. Come to me. And he's our hope, our hope. Jackie pointed out this morning that, you know, the, um, the crook who died on the cross next to Jesus accepted Jesus at that moment. And then Jesus said, I'll see you tomorrow in paradise. That was the end of his life. So when do we give up hope on anyone? As long as there's breath, there's hope. Who are we to give up hope? Right? Only God knows when someone will be saved. We don't get to be unforgiving. You know, there's sometimes we have to separate physically from people. But for us to write somebody off, and say they'll never change, they'll never be, you know, we don't have that luxury. We don't get that privilege. That's God's privilege. He knows. We don't. So came to earth. He provides all these things for us to be successful, to have a victorious Christian life. Don't you like those words? Victorious Christian life. And he tells us, you know what? What I want from you is for you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And with all your strength. And the second commandment, that's the first commandment. The second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. Everything you do should be wrapped up in that. And he tells us, you know what? I'm going to be right there with you. I'm the true vine. Let's look at um, John 15 for a second. John 15, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That tells me we need work even more filled with the Holy Spirit, right? We still have things that he has to nip out. But it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. 
Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. No good that comes from us comes from ourselves. No true good. All good comes from Jesus. He is the vine. Jesus says, trust me and obey me. And I'll be the pruner. The other things he gives us are his word. So we have his word. We have his Holy Spirit. And we have Jesus' example. Jesus wasn't a mealy-mouthed little person. You know, he spoke the truth. He paid for that. And I think we may have to at some point as well. Bring all that into Galatians, right? The, success, the successful, victorious Christian life is lived in the Holy Spirit. So when we're saved, God indwells us with his spirit. And then we, have, we still can sin, right? So what happens? Well, when we sin, God can't fellowship with us. So we confess. And then we are once again filled with the Holy Spirit. But if we are sinning, if we're consciously disobeying what we know God has told us, that puts us out of fellowship with God. Then there's sin between us again. And God cannot fellowship with sin. That is the key part of walking in the spirit is being open to his word. We were talking at our table last week. Um, you know, it's just really interesting to, to be with a, another Christian person who's walking in the same, you know, who wants to be uh, in fellowship with the Lord. You know, you might have a scuffle, you know, maybe even in your marriage or one of your best friends or whatever. And, you know, you could just see when that spirit turns off, you know, if someone's really angry or it's all about me or whatever, and you're thinking, wow, that person... I'm not going to judge him, but this doesn't feel right. And, but you know, as a Christian, that as soon as they fill with the Holy Spirit, then that God will take care of that. And that self will be put down. And you can see it in a person's eyes. When you really know somebody, it can be kind of scary when that anger comes out or when that, you know, when, when they step away and they're willing to walk in their sin. But then to see that transformation when the Spirit is back is just amazing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that? And it's scary. But God is good. And so, and that happens in us as well, ladies. You know, we can get so sideways, get so angry, get so much want to be in control or whatever it is we're struggling with. Um, but we turn back to God, we confess. We're a different person. God calls us a new creature. And that's where it shows up in the way we walk out our life with the Holy Spirit. So in Galatians, you know, the whole chapter is talking about the fact that we've got this Jewish culture, culture, the Israelites, right? And they've spent their whole life under the law. And now Jesus has come and he's like, oh, there's only one commandment. You know, they had like 613. I'm like, one? What do you mean one? So Paul's teaching them and he, he thinks they've got it. And then he's distraught because now they're kind of trying to combine the law and uh, living in the spirit. And they're just having a really hard time. And I think I would have had a hard time, you know, all through the centuries, you know, all through the decades whatever you know we, we live one way and now this jesus guy comes and he says well we got to do it this way and we're really really struggling with seeing the difference and when christ died we're no longer under the law because he fulfilled the law that does not negate the ten commandments it makes them more let me explain that when you think about you know uh adultery was you know do not commit adultery that was the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments held people in from the outside. It calls it a guardian. There's some translation that call it um, even jail. Um, so the, the, the law is trying to 
put this boundary, you know, you stay in this boundary and, you know, you'll be okay. But like, think about thou shalt not commit adultery. So that was the external. But now Jesus is saying, if, even if you think about adultery, it's sin. It's deeper. It's more. Whom more is given, more is expected, right? So it's not just don't do these things. It's like your heart needs to change too, right? Think about, um, you know, about the Sabbath day, right? And keep it holy. That was one day. It was one day. And, God, and Jesus says, no, every day is the Sabbath. Well, what does that mean? That means we're to walk with him every single day and to stay in fellowship with him every single day. We don't, and not that we don't have a Sunday, you know, to honor God and to worship and go to church, but every day. We don't get to just go on Sunday and then do what we want and we come back next Sunday. We're under this, we're under grace, not under the law. If you look at the first three commandments, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make into thee any graven image. Thou shalt not make the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Those are all external things. But what is the first commandment with a promise in the New Testament after Christ, when Christ came? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. Right? That's a lot more than just these three little things. Right? These three commandments. So it's a, it's a whole, it's your whole being. God wants our whole being, heart, mind, and soul, not just what we do. So it's not necessarily that the law went away. And I and especially the Ten Commandments, ladies, I hope your children know them. I hope your grandchildren know them. What was the purpose of the law? Was it so, hey, I can, and we should have talked about the list, and all these things in the law. No, what did it do? The law exposed the fact that I cannot do all the things on the list, that I am a sinner. That was the purpose of the law, to expose sin, right? So. I hope that all your children and your grandchildren know the Ten Commandments because what does it do? It exposes sin. And we all need to realize that we're sinners. So make sure that your children and your grandchildren know the Ten Commandments. There's all kinds of, I was going to print them out, but heck, on Pinterest, you can find all kinds of beautiful ones. You can have it printed up nice and put it in a little frame. They also had it for the kids, you know, those little papers you make where you do that thing. <laughs> you know, they had the Ten Commandments on there so they could practice them. Um, you know, in coloring pages or whatever, just make sure that they, because that begins the journey for us to know that we're sinners. So the law is the outer control and grace is the inner control. And we are under, under grace. So God expects our hearts. So we're going to look at the fruit of the spirit for a minute and just kind of run through them. We, if you're wanting more of any of them, we covered every one of these. Uh, they're all on the podcast and on the website. Um, to listen to again if you're struggling but again as Sheila points out I don't get to just say oh let's say I got joy today peace patience kindness oh I need a little goodness faithfulness gentleness I'm good no this is a package deal this is a this is a, a reflection of what's going on inside right and, and we get obedience what gives us a clean heart so do I love God let's look at love first love do I love God for who he is and not for what I get for him. I am convicted of this many, many times as I search scripture for something I need an answer to, something I need help with. But I hope that every day that you're going through the Bible in a systematic way, maybe for your quiet time, you know, go through one book of the Bible, go through Proverbs, um, go through the whole Bible and let God speak to you, realizing that, um, and look for God in those scriptures. 
there should be a time when we're reading the scriptures where we're not looking for something other than the truth. I'm not looking for something for me. I'm looking for God. Where does God show up? I mean, Jesus is in through the thread of the entire Bible. Where do I see scriptures pointing to Jesus? So why do I read the Bible? Is it because I love God or is it because I love me? I'm often guilty because I love me and I want a solution for me and I'm selfish. How about joy? And joy is an elevated spirit in spite of circumstances. Can I remain joyful in spite of what's going on in my life? I see that in so many of you, that you're able to reflect God's truth regardless of circumstances because God is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords no matter what's going on in your life or mine. You know, it says, we talked a minute ago about um, Jesus went to the cross and considered as joy for what was set before him because he knew the outcome. He knows the outcome. We don't, but we can trust him. We can trust him for that outcome. We can trust that God is good even when things look bad. You know, and sometimes things have bad endings, but God still can use all things together for good. Not for everybody, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. For his children, he will work all things together. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. Yeah. How about peace? And that's that calm in spite of the storm. I'm, work, I'm working with a young woman right now who, um, you know, everything's a tragedy. Everything's hard. Everything's emotional, you know, and just, I think as older women, as Titus, two women, that's one of the best things we can offer is that, you know, God's going to work on this. And, and not to be said in a trite way, you know, or a condemning way or, hey, don't you know, kind of way. But, but living that, you know, having a peaceful demeanor, having peaceful words, having peaceful hope, it's going to be okay. God's got this. Do you remember? Remind them. Do you see where God's brought you so far? Make a, teach them to make a list. Teach them to be thankful. Where do those peaceful things come from as a believer? Well, it comes from being thankful, right? It comes from maybe journaling and remembering all that he's done for us in the past, right? That's where our peace comes from, remembering who he is. How about kindness? That's gentle treatment towards others. Woo, baby. <laughs> I can certainly be a crazy woman sometimes. <laughs> But I want to be kind. Actually, all my passwords this year was be kind. <laughs> be kind 2023. I, I had on, one on my passwords is joy is a choice 2023. Remind yourself of scripture, whatever it takes. I have to sign in and out of stuff all day long. So that's good for me. That's a good place. To, and it reminds me to be kind. Uh, goodness, do the next right thing. Y'all know my sister-in-law, Cleta, a, a new widow. And she said, uh, people keep telling her, oh, you need to rest. You need to take time. She said, what does that do for me? <laughs> she said, I just keep doing the next thing God puts in front of me. That's what Elizabeth Elliot did when she lost her husband. What's the next right thing? Just a step at a time. Somebody else's idea of what it looks, what grief looks like is not yours. Right? It's not necessarily God's. How about um, faithfulness? Keep fighting the fight. Do not get tired. God tells us don't get weary. We don't have to get weary. It's not our fight. We know who wins. <laughs> right? Gentleness, it's a humble spirit. It's the absence of pride and um, self-control, not letting our emotions rule us. Ladies, emotions are wonderful things. God talks about emotion. He loves, he's angry, he's jealous, he's 
kind, he's good, all those things. He has emotion, and we do too. But emotion should follow truth. Just because I, I feel something doesn't make it true. So much of the world functions on how I feel. That's very evident in the things that are going in our culture. I feel like I'm this, even though I was born that. It's not what we feel. Truth is truth. God's word is true. And are we using God's word to temper those emotions? Using his word, his wisdom, the Holy Spirit, fellow believers, Titus two women. What do all these fruits have in common? They come from obedience, and I think. One way to sum them up is that they're God-centered, not self-centered. If I'm self-centered, I'm not going to display any of these fruits. But if I'm God-centered, these things are going to come to the front. They're going to testify to God's goodness. They're going to glorify him. We're called to glorify God, not glorify self. That's totally opposite of this world. Ladies, if you're a mom or a grandma or an auntie, a friend, a woman, <laughs> got your work cut out for you to live that testimony, to glorify God. Being a woman is a wonderful thing. Having emotion is a wonderful thing. Loving God is a wonderful thing. It's not a chain around our neck. It's not a horrible thing. It's not a tyrant of a God giving us, you know, a burdensome law. It's a God who loves us and knows how we're created and wants the best for us. So how do I know if I'm struggling? You know, how do I know if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, because you're gonna have rotten fruit, <laughs> right? I think one of the big uh, tendencies of women is to be controlling, right? So am I guiding and leading and sharing wisdom or am I railroading everybody with my plan? It's really easy to do because we are so convinced we know what's right, not only for ourselves, but for everybody else on our path, right? It takes a lot of self-control sometimes just to be quiet and not to try to control everything around us. And you know what, ladies? When we try to control, what happens? We intercept God. You know, we, we're so busy scrambling around and trying to control things that it makes somebody else maybe hard to hear the Holy Spirit because we're so busy. We're so involved. And there is a balance there. We have lots of responsibilities, but you know what I'm talking about as a woman. You want to control. You want your husband to do a certain thing a certain way. And you want your children to do a certain way, certain certain thing a certain way. And your husbands aren't going to do it. And uh, if he does, he might be in trouble. Because <laughs> he's done fighting. He's done. So just be careful that when you see something that you offer it, if it wants to be heard, you know, maybe your husband doesn't want to hear it. Maybe he knows how he wants to do it. Maybe he doesn't need your opinion. And maybe it's not going to be done the way you want it to be done. But you know what? If it's wrong, who's going to deal with him? God is. It doesn't need to be us. So maybe I have another sign would be unrealistic expectations. I'm just driving, driving, driving. And I'm really aggravated because nobody's following along. I've got all these expectations. And maybe I'm even, I haven't even shared with them what those expectations are, but I expect them to follow them. <laughs> to meet them, right? Ah, we are impossible sometimes. And I don't think, we, you know, we mean well. Do you mean well? I mean well, right? The Holy Spirit keeps us in check. Maybe my emotions are out of control. Oh, I just can't help it. I'm hormonal. It's my time of the month. I just had a baby. I just, whatever. We always have a reason we're emotional. And yes, we are emotional creatures, but that doesn't mean we have to be controlled by them. You know, if you're really emotional, think about it. Have I just not gotten enough sleep? 
maybe I haven't eaten well. I was riding, uh, I went on a horseback ride with my dad the other day, and we got off the horse and stopped to look at the beautiful poppies. And, you know, and all of a sudden he's staggering everywhere. I'm like, Dad. And he's like, I said, I don't know what's wrong. And then I was like, terrified. We're way out in the desert. And about halfway through that episode, he goes, Oh, I never ate today. And I haven't had anything to drink. You know, we have to take care of our bodies and we forget sometimes. I was like, Oh, Lord, thank you. I thought it was something else, something much worse. So we take care of our bodies. You know, uh, things that show our emotions are out of control. And this, I want to always preface this with, you know, there are things, there are emotional things that are physically charged and need a doctor's help. But I'm talking about these kinds of emotions, these kind of consequences that come when we let our um, consequences come when we let our emotions run wild. And that would be things like being anxious, being depressed, being angry, being irritable. Ladies, we can end up in those places just because we let our emotions run wild. And the sooner we keep them in check, the better. And sometimes that just means keeping our mouth shut for a few minutes before we say anything. And let the Holy Spirit speak to us like, God, is this really that important? And sometimes it is really important. Sometimes we do need to deal with things. But this, I, this thing of you know, letting things fester, we need to forgive, we need to have mercy, we need to have grace. Uh, a couple of things would be um, that show we're out, not filled with the Holy Spirit would be um, being unwilling to admit wrong. When we, you know, we're perfectly willing to justify what we've done, right? <laughs> but we're not willing to admit that we could have been wrong. We're unforgiving of others. We're not willing to show mercy to others or to be generous in spirit towards other people. We're judgmental, we're harsh, we're unkind. Cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit with those attitudes. So here's a little test for you. Don't say anything, but just observe how your family reacts to you. Just observe. Let's say your husband loses his job, or he messes up with the kids, or your children come home from school with a bad report card. They got in trouble at school. How safe do they feel talking to you? This does not mean you need to be a pushover or that there's no boundaries in your home, but it does mean I'm, if I'm, you're in your home and I come to you with an issue, are you going to explode on me? Are you going to read me the riot act? Are you going to yell at me? Are you going to shame me? Are you going to punish me? What, are you, what does your family expect from you? Just watch how they react when they come to you. Are they, you know, we had a gal in our office for a lot of years and she was really testy. And so they put a little, um, like a mailbox thing there. So like a little flag. So if the flag was up, everybody knows you don't go next to her. But if it was down, you'd go talk to them. Does, do your family, does your family have to watch for your flag be down? Or do they trust that you will be reasonable and wise and caring and fair? with them. Ladies, we all blow it. We all get mad. We all get angry. But don't keep going. You know, stop. Take a breath. Confess. And then there'll be a lot less regrets. So this is sweet little, um, I don't know if everybody's seen the dwell. We talked about this during um, the time we were talking about memorizing, but this is the verse for this month from, um, from this little foundation. It says, uh, Matthew 28, 6, he is not here. He has risen just as he said. This is the crux of everything. If you believe this one thing, then all other things fall into place. It's the hinge point of our faith and of human history. If Jesus is alive, then he conquered death. If, if I believe he conquered death, he can conquer anything in me. Sin has no hold on me. 
Shame has no place in me. Fear cannot control me. Worry cannot consume me. No enemy has power over me. Do I really believe Jesus was victorious back then? And because of his victory, do I believe he can give me victory now? Lord, help me to believe in Romans 8, 11, And as the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Amen. Dearest Jesus, we just thank you for this morning. Oh, Lord, <laughs> we make you so small. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, I just pray that this season and, and every day that we realize who you are, that you desire a relationship with us, that you love us, that you've given ever, us everything we need, Lord, to live for you, to glorify you, and to be with you. In Jesus' name, amen.